And this is the Profit Roadmap. As always, I'm Barry Duplessis alongside Cody Owen, and we've got a wonderful guest with us today. Mr. Ty Wilkins is in the house. We've got some uh, fun and games for everyone listening, and uh, we're really excited about having you here. Ty, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And then I gotta, I gotta start the, I gotta start off before we hear a little bit more about Ty and his background and all that other stuff. I gotta, I gotta bring this up because it was, we were talking about it off the air. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. So we talked with uh, Chris Volpe, our training manager, um, a few weeks ago. And then we talked mostly about uh, Pareto's principle and how it's an Italian cheese or not so much. <laughs> the 80 20 principle but rule. But, and if you guys haven't listened to that episode, be sure to, you know, tune back. Chris Volpe, uh, we talked mostly about the 80 20 rule and Pareto's principle. And, uh, Ty was kind enough to give us a little history lesson on this. Apparently, the 80-20 rule came about because of Pareto's Peapods. Try saying that five times fast. <laughs> yeah. Pareto's Peapods, Pareto's Peapods, Pareto's Peapods, Pareto's Peapods, Pareto's Peapods. I'm so proud of you. You're such a show off. It's really ridiculous sometimes. Okay. So, yeah, so Ty, was, give us the background. Where did yeah. you find this out? And how, <laughs> yeah. So explain he had this a, a little bit. He had a garden and he was just measuring all of his pea pods essentially. And he noticed after time and time again that essentially 20% of the uh, crops were producing 80% of all the peas. And so that's that's how it came about. That's the age 20 rule. That's it. It's He can make a cheese joke, but it's all about the peas, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wow. That's... Is is as unfascinating as that sounds, um, you know, to anyone who just kind of drops in and listen. Just go back and listen to the podcast with Chris because there's this whole uh, whole tidbit about uh, about it being about cheese and and not eighty twenty and everything like that. But it's, <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. Ty, thanks for that. That was that was a really interesting point and uh, nice to as a history buff here. I kind of like the background on everything. Uh, including uh, why Cody's face looks as ugly as it does. Um, you know, uh, Bear, <laughs> just, to, just to continue my one-upsmanship. Okay, here we go. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in history, so you may be a buff, <laughs> I know, but I, an ac- I am an academic. We, we have a friend that has a so master's So you paid for right? the same education that I got for a dollar fifty in late charges at my public library? Ooh. I worked with real historians. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> no, you read they wrote, them. They, I read them, and I also worked with some, too. I was also a minor history in college. The only reason I didn't get the degree was because I didn't want to take a foreign language that I wasn't going to use. Mm, see, I went to one of them schools where they didn't care about foreign languages. <laughs> <laughs> Whoosh. <laughs> Whoosh. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Ty Wilkins is here in the house with us joining us today. And Ty, again, thank you so much for that uh, brief history lesson on pea pods and Pareto's principle. Uh, and Cody, thank you for showing off your verbal skills and saying it five times fast. But Ty, why don't you give us a little bit of background here? You're... you're um, you're in our development uh, or um, our product management team, and you lead. You actually uh, lead the uh, the business analyst division, right? Or, or yeah. You're- uh, well, I'm, so we have multiple teams with multiple BAs, and I'm a part of the mobile team. And so we handle. Uh, I handle the backlog for the current app and any potential fixes that we make. Fantastic. So the so you're you're the guy. Uh, I mean, you're you know <laughs> because I mean most of our most of our members. Um, well, at least most of the users within our membership use what you build and what you fix and what you yeah. work on, which is the mobile app. So that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, there's a ridiculous amount of uh, users right now. We pulled the stats for it um, a couple months ago just to see if a change would be worthwhile. And there's a ridiculous amount of users right now, and on varying you know user versions too. It's just amazing. Yeah, we we affect quite a few of the users. Like they all just use it. So wait, you're telling me that not everyone is using the most updated app version of the mobile app? Uh, yeah, I would say about, um, I think the last stat we had was about 75% use the top like three most recent versions. 
Yeah. The three most recent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's the oldest one? I got to ask this. Oh, what's the oldest, oh, so what's the oldest version? I don't know. If like how many generations back? So I don't know if it's a real, I don't know how it's possible, but we actually, there was one, literally one user on a 2015 build. Like there was <laughs> two so, years. Yeah. So dude. essentially 20, almost 24 updates. Yeah. What I'm thinking is somehow it, it's just stuck on their phone and they've never used it. I don't know, but I would say that we had. Would it even work if they opened it? I don't know. <laughs> we can't, I can't even, I don't have a build like that. I always keep mine up to date uh, when I'm testing with it, but we had about, I would say 10% were on a 2016 build. So, but the remaining that's ones are still a long way that's, back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, guys, you know, update your apps. Even if you don't have the service autopilot app, it's a good idea to keep the always other apps on your, your applications, phone. You've yeah. definitely got a smartphone and it definitely has apps on it that need to be updated. Yeah. There's quite a few instances where um, member sport will contact me about an issue and I look at their ticket and it'll say an app version that we fixed. It was like last month's, you know, app version. And we're like, yeah, just update and it'll be fixed. And that happens quite a bit, but it's, yeah, it's pretty well, interesting. I mean, half the time. Not half the time. I mean, that's an exaggeration. But like, you know, whenever I'm doing testing, you know, and if I haven't, if something's not working on the mobile app, like I instantly check and it's because I haven't updated it. Mm -hmm. And the update, you know, happened, you know, days earlier from that point because I'm always, I'm always working within the system and everything. So it's, it's interesting that people could even be operating on something that old. God, two years. That's 20. That's like roughly 24 updates, right? I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, right? Probably. Yeah. 24 generations different. Yeah, and someone's yeah. working on it. That's crazy. <laughs> yes, update your apps. Great advice by Cody there. <laughs> Great, fantastic advice. So we were talking a little bit about um, our backgrounds there, uh, Ty. You know, is the fact that you know I got the same education that Cody did uh, mm-hmm. at my public library and uh, and everything. So I'd like to point out that I just realized that he's quoting Goodwill Hunting. That wasn't even his original thought. Yeah, and the fact that it took you this long to pick up on it and the fact that I delivered it so well and it was so natural should obviously win me points in this battle. At least three points. Maybe a uh, best screenplay nomination. <laughs> How do you like them it. apples? <laughs> that is the worst line of dialogue that in is any the, film. Are you absolutely... you? You are blasphemous at this point right now. You Wow, you, Barry just had to restrain himself from swearing at <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? That is the very best line in the entire film. No, 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 no. That is no. the very best line, and it has no profanity in it. It is beautifully it, done. No, no, no. It, that oh. is the worst line Whoa. in any film ever. No, now, no, now, no you're just trying, I, now you're trying to get under my skin. It, that's, no, just, it, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. It's a great movie. It's, it's a, a good brilliant film. movie. It is a brilliant and, movie. It and is a brilliant example of screenplay writing. Should bring it down like a whole point on IMDb. Would it make y'all mad if I said <sighs> I've never seen it? Yes, you've definitely. never seen Goodwill Hunting. Are mad. I'm a, I'm a bit of a. Okay, my anger is shifting right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a movie. tropical storm. Bear has pivoted. <laughs> God, man. Oh, I'm not talking about buff. tropical storms, man. Gosh, so much, so much. Too soon. Too soon. So much melee from from Harvey and Irma. Gosh, that's so many of our members, so many people out there just hurting. And gosh, man, too soon. Too soon, I'm trying to keep it light. Trying to keep it light. Okay. Well, let's bring it back. Medicine. Let's bring it back to Ty here. Actual medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Let's bring it back to Ty here. So, Ty, tell us a little bit about how how did your journey start with Service Autopilot? Where did you come from? How did you get here? And good God, man, who the heck are you? (laughs) Who are the (laughs) U's? The U's. Oh, I started in support. Um, Someone that previously worked here at one point uh, just had a job opportunity when it was first starting out at the old office, and um, I was like, sure, I'll try it, and. That's how I started. I started in support. How many years ago was that? Four and a half. Were you like an infant? I was I was under 21. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're not on video here, let's just point out the fact that Ty looks like he's 12 years old. And uh, 
The only 12-year-old you'll meet with a beard. Um, well, no, I need to you didn't know me when shit. I was 12. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but Bears had a beard since he was a baby. Not a baby. I was seven when I started <laughs> shaving. Let's get this right, guys. Come on. Um, but uh, so you start, did you start right out of college? Did you start right out of, right out of school or? No. So I was going to school while I started. Okay. Um, but then things got very hectic um, and essentially sc- school fell by the wayside and I just continued working. Okay. So where were you, where were you going to school? Uh, I was just doing calling because it was uh, financially more feasible. You know, and like getting my, the local, uh, the local uh, community college, junior college. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The one off Spring Creek, and it was just it was a much cheaper option to get, especially my cores out of the way the yeah, first two years. Absolutely. You know, and so yeah, I was doing that. I was majoring in um, <laughs> might sound a little boring, but I was double majoring in political science and economics, and then because I was really into politics back then. But yeah, and so. No one wants to get in that mess right now. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> I prefer to read from afar on that. <laughs> no, but the uh, that's 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 incredibly interesting. So you went from political science essentially um, to to development, software development. So have you always had an interest in that kind of thing, or did it just kind of come to you, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, n- not necessarily. I mean, growing up, I wanted to be a rock star, you know, a musician, uh, pretty much until I graduated um, high school and stuff. And then when I first started in support, I was just you know, doing the day to day, just getting stuff done. And then Jonathan walks by the office office and he's like, Hey, can you come real quick? And I'm like, sure. You know, it's the CEO. I'm not going to say no. And so <laughs> no, actually, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of something else you're paying yeah, me to yeah. do. <laughs> Seriously, Jonathan, I'm doing something important. Like, yeah. No, really? I mean, he was, he was like, Hey, can you test this one thing for us? You just basically have to make sure it works. And I was like, sure. And so I did that for a couple hours and then, um, I enjoyed it, you know, I, and so I just, he continued giving me opportunities to do that. That's what I asked for in my reviews, like, you know, just give me more opportunities to test. And eventually we got to a point where we were trying to output more and more. And he was like, hey, we need you testing. And so for a while I was doing testing and support and it was, it was long and long days, but it was, it was fun. You know, I was putting in a lot of hours and then I eventually switched over to full-time QA. And then we hired a couple more QAs through support, you know, cause they know the system at the best and everything. And QA is quality assurance, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm testing. Not- yeah. Pr- a, I've always heard that term. You know, I, seriously, that's the first time that's been confirmed for me. Like oh, I've always yeah. heard the term, and I'm like QA. They're like, oh, I'm, I do QA. I'm in QA. I'm like, cool, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So were you the? So were? Is it fair to say you were the? You're the original. The original QA. I mean, other than obvious, you know, architects of the software itself. But yeah, I mean, I mean there was um there was another one that was kind of part-time back in the day um that's no longer with us and then there's another one that was here for a while but then um she decided to move on to a different opportunity um so i would say i'm like the the current oldest qa member i guess you could say i'm one of the more founding ones that grew us from and you and the original qa uh the other qa person that you were referring to you guys were you guys were both the babies right both of you guys were like 19 20 years old when you all started with the company and everything yeah yeah (laughs) it's been it's been coming a long way. <laughs> Man, I just feel so old in this room. I really do. <laughs> like, what have you done with 10 years of your life? Well, I sold stuff <laughs> and now I sell software. <laughs> so, um, but that's, that's, uh, that's really fan. That's really fantastic, man. That you, you, and I think that's really indicative of a lot of our, a lot of our colleagues here is they've kind of, uh, what do you say? Obsession, except exception of myself here. I, I think a lot of people have kind of developed into, uh, their opportunities that they've that they've that they've fallen into. I mean, Ty was working support, you know, trying to you know find his way through school, and then eventually he's. I mean, very not that we're all not all important, but a very important part to creating and building the software, you know. And uh, it's another good company culture moment 
to note how Ty came into an entry-level position and through training and development in the company was then moved into a very professional spot and one that he's been given a lot of of skills and trained and and you know developed as as a person into being able to to have this position. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, if you look at so many of these other huge, you know, larger companies, you go on entry level and you go try to talk to the boss. A lot of them don't even have the opportunity to talk to their boss, you know, but you can go up to Jonathan and John, talk to them, you know, about personal, about, you know, professional, anything, any type of item. And yeah, they gave me an opportunity and it was, it's amazing. You don't see a lot of that in a lot of these companies nowadays. Yeah. And it's a good thing to note for, for the people that are listening who are running that small business and you're having, you know, a lot of trouble with employee retention and keeping guys around and it's worth it to, to pour into your employees. And there's going to be, you know, cost, there's going to be sacrifices that have to be made to right. do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to get burned by it. There are going to be guys that you work really hard and pour into. And then, uh, you know, they leave for another opportunity uh, or, you know, you have to let them go because despite all of your best efforts, they, you know, just, won't do what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, but ultimately, like pouring into those people is going to pay off in the end exactly, because you're going to yeah. end up with a tie who sticks around for four and a half years and is now. Uh, like, I mean, you have people that report to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're. Yeah, yeah he, he leads a department. He's man. the equivalent of like a crew leader now. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, if not more important than that, yeah, or op- like an operations manager or, or something. something like that. Yeah, there definitely will be sacrifices if they if they you know decide to invest in their. And their employees, you know, like for me, when I was going from support to QA, I remember there was a day where <clears throat> support was pretty busy, but we were having a lot of GPS issues with the app, like making sure it was tracking their the the user accurately. And I took my, I left a little bit before lunch and left and came back a little after lunch to drive to like three random locations with the app turned on to make sure that it it tracked properly. And and I remember one of the uh, support reps were like, "Man, Ty, you, you should try to hurry up and get back." And I was like, "I'm trying, I'm trying," you know. And you're gonna have sacrifices at first, but the payoff is it's quite well. Well, I think it's fair to say that uh, Ty took uh, and still continues to take all of his training and education here very seriously. And it's not just it's not just with the system. It's also with because uh, you're incredibly well read as well. So you you yeah, like, like to read. you like to read. <laughs> I I read things too occasionally. <laughs> um, no, but it's um, it's always interesting to I, I'm a I'm a you know I'm a reading enthusiast as well. And there's but I'm in, I'm mostly in certain genres and things like that. And I know mm-hmm. there's some particular favorites of yours as well, but, uh, what, you know, talk to us about what you like to read, um, and why you think it's important and how it's helped you and how it can help a lot of our listeners with their business. Yeah. So I learned at quite a young age that if you apply the right mindset to anything you read or, or even watch like TV, you know, there's always something you can take away from it. And so, you know, fiction, people think is just a, just some, some story, you know, and it's just purely for entertainment. But I think nothing can be further from the truth because some of the best knowledgeable bits come from storytelling. You know, that's um, there's a, a historian called H.W. Brands, and he he tried writing a book on history, like a certain period. I can't remember what period. And he said that it didn't do too well. But then he started writing stories from the perspective of a, of a certain president and coincide and wrote the story in conjunction with telling the period. And he said people started to grasp the history of that period more so through the storytelling of that particular right. president. And yeah, that's how I approach fictional, it. Historical fiction. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, fiction, I used to be all about nonfiction, but now I've gotten into a lot of fiction because I think you can take a lot away from that. Well, there's a lot of things that you can do with fiction in terms of, you know, 
so much imagery, um, you know, metaphors, you know, and, and stuff. Um, you, you can do a lot with writing with fiction than you can with nonfiction because obviously nonfiction, you have to be factual and there's, you know, you can shy away from that. Um, but you're obviously going to be lying at that point. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's, it's <laughs> probably a good thing to stay away from. And when you're writing a nonfiction, whereas fiction is especially, uh, specifically historical fiction, mm-hmm. um, you can, you know, you can have fun with it. Yeah, you can, exactly. you know, you can bend the rules, so to speak. You can kind of, you know, turn it into the matrix, you know, <laughs> a little bit. And uh, I think Stephen King said that fiction is telling the truth with lies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good quote. I've got a great Stephen King story for you, and I'll tell you sometime. <laughs> um, it's I'm totally teasing our listeners too. Yeah, I've got a great Stephen King story that I will. Uh, it's if a little, Bear met Stephen King, I'm going to cry. I've and actually go met, about. I've yeah. met Stephen King. Oh. <laughs> somebody does anybody know where to buy sackcloth because <laughs> i need to go about in sackcloth and ashes clearly i've done something wrong in my life yes yeah, so i've actually met stephen king and uh yeah i've got a i've got actually there are two stories rolled into one with stephen king that uh, i'll share at a, i'll share on a different podcast we'll bring him up we, again tease that for the next episode sure yeah absolutely i'll tell my stephen king cool i'm gonna line story. up another episode for this afternoon <laughs> <laughs> sounds good so but in particular, Ty, we were kind of talking about, you know, you were able to take away from stories, you're able to take away from these nonfiction books or and fiction books specifically. What is there, what are you reading right now that you think could be uh, beneficial? Even or if or it's not- you read recently. Yeah, whatever mm-hmm. you read. Yeah, talk. Yeah, um, so let's see. Recently, I've read quite a few books this year so far. Um, I would say the ones that have stuck out that would be applicable and have like a really good just message to them are- Forgive the title, but it's The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F by Mark Manson. And it's, I'm so offended by that title right now, yeah. I got to tell you. <laughs> but uh, it's basically about we we live our lives caring about every little frivolous thing. We care about what that one person thinks about my hat that I'm never going to see again. You know, we think about all these little things and it talks about how to, you know, give a crap about the impo- the truly important things, you know. And it also talks about how getting rid of negative things in your life, you know, if Say you're in that abusive relationship, you know, and you want to leave. The art or the act of actually saying, hey, I want to get out of this relationship isn't difficult. Literally saying those words isn't difficult. But the thought process is what's difficult, the fear, you know. And so that's what he talks about in the book is give a, give a crap about the important things. Get rid of the frivolous stuff and you're going to live a happier life. Man, you could pull just five things from what he just said and apply it to business. I oh, mean, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Get rid of the negative. Get you know, we talked about this in the previous episodes too. Get rid of that. Ne- get the the negative employees. Get rid of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, look. I know they got families, and I know you. You know, you've got a loyalty to your people and everything like that, and that's fantastic. But if they're bringing down your brand, if they're bringing down your crews, if they're bringing mm-hmm. down you, it's just it's it's something you got to cut out. Yeah, it's something you got to cut out. And and. What was it? Okay, so say the title again. Okay, do they? Does it literally say an F or does it? Yeah, is it drops it, the F bomb. It drops the F bomb. Oh, okay, okay. So you're just you're centering yourself. Okay, well, yeah. what's the what's the title again? Uh, the subtle art of not giving a an yeah. F. The subtle art of not giving an F by Mark Manson. Mark Manson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, I gotta check out this book. It's it's solid. I read it in like three days. It was just uh, you read it actually, didn't you? I read most of it. Oh, that's right. so oh, okay. That, well, <laughs> what did you what did you think of it? I mean, and how it could apply to how it could apply to some of our listeners. I think for sure the the philosophy that he puts forward is basically like when you find yourself stuck in like trying to decide what to do or being really upset about all these things, and like I'm one of those people 
who, when I get really stressed out and I have like a bunch of decisions or a bunch of things that need to be done, I just kind of like get paralyzed and shut down and mm-hmm. can't make a decision about anything. Uh, and what he, the questions that he talks about you asking yourself is like, why do I give a F about this? Because he's a little bit crude, he he sort of bypasses your like self-help filter. It's, yeah, it's a good tactic. Yeah. Uh, and so he comes in and he's just like, why, why do you care about this? Why, why is this causing a problem for you? Uh, and then like, it's sort of like throwing everything into a strainer mm-hmm. and like letting the water is all of the clean, the, all the, the crap stuff. that you yeah. shouldn't care about. Nice. And, and then the noodles are the important things that you should care about. Uh, so he's Italian. He makes pasta. <laughs> Sorry. You could I go just, with that. Okay. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that like the first several chapters in particular where he's really spelling that out. Uh, and I think that they were uh, particularly helpful. Yeah. I read more than the first two chapters and for I, the record. And to be fair, I read in context. So like uh, they say one of the best ways to read a lot is to read what you're feeling right then and there, what you need help on, you know. So that's, sure. that's I was like going through a lot at that time period. And so I, when I read it, it, it clicked, I guess you could say. I think that's I mean, that's something that I probably struggle with uh, more often than not. I mean, I've. I've improved considerably since high school. As I, I hope that most of us have, but mm-hmm. uh, in some cases, that's that's not true for some people. <laughs> but um, you know, I used to just absolutely just care about everything. everyone's opinion and everything, and it just it just sort of died off. Like I just decided to, you know, I just grew comfortable in my own skin, mm-hmm. grew comfortable in things. But that, that it's it's interesting though because it points out that you know I I still do hold on to a lot of negative you know, energy, not to get too oh, totally. you know, bohemian here, but you know, I do, <laughs> I do tend to, to hang on to stuff just because I'm just, I am nostalgic and that's just my nature. I'm loyal, yeah. uh, which is also part of my nature. So it's, you know, you know, as cold and callous as I was a minute ago, I was like, Oh, cut them out, fire them, get rid of them. You know, it, it's a tough decision and business ownership isn't for everybody, but it's for the people that are listening to this podcast. Yeah, well, They're successful it, to a certain, you know, to, to a degree. And so they need to, in order to get better, mm-hmm. They need to, to, to improve and to improve their business means getting rid of some of the bad parts. And sometimes those bad parts are people. Exactly. Like what you weigh the pros and cons. I mean, yeah, you could say that they're supporting that, it, that single employees are supporting a family, which is totally understandable. But what if they're affecting all of your member base, you know, and they're making their day to day not that well, if they're not providing a good service, you're ruining your customer base. I mean, and at that point, it's, it's all about, I mean, is it, is it, are you required to keep that employee just because, you know, I mean. It's good to try to figure out how if to they're work not it. holding up their end of the bargain. Yeah, then then there's a problem. It's like a mutual Absolutely. understanding. Yeah. Yeah, sir, for sure. Some great points. Uh, you know, Ty Ty suggested to me if you guys have if you guys are interested in any books, a great place that he goes to for book suggestions and good stuff is uh, Goodreads.com. You can check that out. Uh, and you can great. follow Ty. And you I can on follow Goodreads. Ty on Goodreads. Cody Owens, Ty yeah, Wilkins. Ty Wilkins on Goodread. <laughs> it's I'm the cool guy. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Um, it's um, it, do you have a screen name on there? Or is it you? It can just find you by name. Or? Should be just by name. Yeah. So Ty Wilkins, Goodreads.com, a great place. Ty, uh, recommend that. a recommend a fiction book. A fiction book. Um, I'm putting him on the spot. I didn't yeah. tell him oh, I was no, going to make him do I have this. Plethora. Um, I would say in this context, The Martian by Andy Weir. The Martian is well. I saw the movie. Can you yeah. read the book? I so the reason why I recommend that book that book a lot is because there are two takeaways that I got from it. One is that every problem has a solution. It might seem very difficult to find it, but every problem has a solution. And the second thing is one thing at a time. Like oh, whenever you're struggling through so many problems, you have to focus on one thing at a time. Other, otherwise, you uh, hit analysis paralysis. That was throughout the book. He ran oh, into. Oh, whoa! Mo- is that what that's called? Yeah. Analysis, analysis paralysis. Yeah. 
that's what I like. It, you know, I don't know if y'all experienced it throughout Tacky's the day. Tacky's bringing in like crazy stuff to the conversation <laughs> here. Yeah, it's like it, he just experiences a lot of trouble in the uh in the book and he's like man this thing is yeah, broken and this thing is broken i gotta fix this and it's like well what's the most important thing at, you know at that moment in time oxygen exactly exactly <laughs> right. he brings that up breathing then food it's always a good point yeah <laughs> he also brings up an interesting point on oxygen he's like it's not to get oxygen into your body it's to remove the carbon dioxide different way of thinking it's interesting it's that's a fascinating fiction book um that i think has a pretty good takeaway so we talked about um we talked about some great points uh, for stream, streamlining certain things in businesses, different practices. We brought re, re brought up uh, Pareto's principle mm-hmm. and uh, some other business stuff that we've talked about in previous episodes. But uh, something you wanted to introduce today, Ty, was um, the agile process mm-hmm. or agile. Yeah, you say it with less emphasis. I call it a gile, but uh, you know it's whatever. Gile, <laughs> I think I put that on my chili last night. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> it's Portuguese. Uh, uh, no, I'm <laughs> so agile, uh, A G I L E, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, a mm, little bit about that, Ty? What's uh, what is agile? Yeah, so it's basically a way to um, approach solving problems. Really, it's breaking down these seemingly looming things that you have to do with your business and breaking it so down. So like and, the Martian. Yeah. I was actually going to, I was going to relate it to that. You, I was listening to the conversation. I promise. <laughs> and um, it's talking about breaking down all these things you have to do into manageable iterative chunks. So say that you have 20 million things to do. Well, a lot of people, especially in the dev side of things back in the day, they did, it's called waterfall. And essentially you fix all 20 million things, then you test it and then you release it. But with agile, you, Fix a little bit, test it, release it. Fix a little bit, um, test it, release it. That way it's Working much more... Working to the goal of the 20 million things. Exactly, exactly. Because, I mean, and the reason what happens with a lot of people is they experience what you talked about, analysis paralysis. You have so many things to do that you just sit there just stunned because you don't know, like, I need to be doing this, but I need to be doing that. I need to be prepping for this meeting. I got to make sure my employees are doing this. And it helps focus on the priority. You know, so another portion of the agile methodology is what's called user stories. And the reason why they're called user stories is because when you're creating a product, the most important person is the user, the member. Right. And so if you prioritize and so it, it in like in the small businesses that we're talking to, this is your clients. Exactly. We're writing a story that then involves the your clients. Yeah, so I can give us uh, an example. So say that you're a small business owner and you're going to get your first office. Right. So. Say that you're going into this new office where you got to worry about, you know, um, electricity, water, that kind of stuff, right? But then you get to it and you're like, well, and it might seem seemingly obvious at first, but a lot of people, they want to focus on the cool stuff. You know, it's like that Silicon Valley type mentality. I want to make sure the walls are painted super slick, but I should probably worry about the internet more so that when people submit stuff, I can, you know, reach them online and help my members out. So you break down the user story. As an accountant in the office, I want to make sure that I have internet to receive electronic invoices so that I can make sure that we bill our members properly, right? But you don't want to say, as a business owner, I want to make sure I have slick walls because it's going to look slick. That's It's not important. So the Agile method helps you break it down. You have all these things you want to do, but you have to focus on the truly important things. I don't know if that makes sense, but... No, yeah, it's no, absolutely... Great. Yeah, so it's, it's all about... Priority and breaking things down into manageable chunks. Yeah, I mean, it's and sometimes um, it's a fascinating thing. We had a, an agile coach come in and, and help teach us about this. And at first, when you create these user stories, it seems dumbed down. It seems very, 
you know, oh, obvious. that's obvious. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the thing is we sometimes we overthink it and we don't think of obvious. So, you know, when you're thinking about the app, for instance, like my, my team, the mobile app, right? The most important thing, why do they use it? So they can track their employees to make sure that they're doing their job, right? And mm-hmm. so that's the main focus is the mobile app should really at the core minimum be able to allow their uh, our members' employees to log into the app, press a button to say that they showed up at this place and did the work, and then press another button that says they left and clock out for the day. That proves presence. That shows that they can get paid for their time they worked. Mm-hmm. All these other you know enhancements or stuff are important, but at the end of the day, that's the core. So a story for a cleaning company might be something like the client comes home and their house is spotless. They see you know the little card on the counter that shows the cleaning company was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the laundry's put away, uh, just like all the little things that you would want mm-hmm. your cleaning company to do for you. But ultimately, it's like I come home and my house is clean. Exactly. That's it's, it's called a the, super simple story. Yeah, it's called the value proposition. It, the setup is as a bl- person, I want blank, so that blank. And the value proposition is, uh, you want a clean, spotless home. You know, that's yeah, it's really it seems obvious at first, but it's super important, you know, to focus on that. It's the elephant, too. Right. Because you're like, well, there's all these things that go into, you know, just the the simple statement, a clean and spotless home. There's so many things that have to be done to do that. Yeah. And the way that you eat that elephant is the same way you'd anything else. One bite at a time. Yeah. (laughs) And when you deliver on that super simple story, you make happy clients, happy clients pay you more money. Yeah. And happy clients market for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. That's like the Kevin Kelly thing about the thousand true friends uh, fans. If you have a thousand true fans, they'll market for you, and you don't have to do any of it. You know, Advo- advocates, ambassadors, yeah, exactly. And that's really where the success is, and that's where your success can be. Is you, is you, if you clean your clients' houses, homes to be beautiful and immaculate, you get that done, and you take care of the people that do it. Because if you take care of the people that do it, they do an even better job. Mm-hmm. Okay, they yeah, do a better sure. job. Your clients are happy, and guess what? They're going to tell their friends. Or when their friends come over, man, I don't, Ty, I don't know how you keep this place so looking so good. Yeah, I mean, I think about um, there's a there's actually an arcade around here, a barcade, you know, because they serve alcohol and stuff, and it's called Free Play. Is that what happens at a bar? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's called Free Play, and the cool thing about them is they only they focus on you know an arcade, right? The most important thing is making sure the games work, right? And sure. so you'll see on their Facebook constantly posting. We found out about this machine. It's broken. They fixed it with like seriously 15 minutes. Like they always have someone on on spot, you know, at the location, instantly ready to fix it. And yeah, you also, don't see out of order signs. At, no, like at free play ever. And also since it's a barcade, the other important part is alcohol. I took one of my my friends, uh, actually one of our employees, uh, Jim, who's a you know a beer connoisseur, and he's like, man, this place has a bigger beer selection than most bars, and. That's a good thing. So they focused on those two most important user stories. I want to provide good alcohol, you know, a good selection, and I want to provide sp- um, endless gaming, you know. So it's it's all about focusing on the important aspect. Yeah, take your business plan and focusing on those things. Yeah, it's like so, it, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say, does Agile start stand for something, or is it just a process? It's just a process. It okay. originally had a certain acronym. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but uh, but yeah. Are there any books on Agile? Since oh, we're talking yeah. about reading, yeah, there's quite I mean, a I'm sure few. There's a ton. Yeah, there's quite a few books on it. Um, there's a website. I think if you look up the Agile Manifesto, and it's basically like a, it's an old website. It's like Agile Manifesto. Yeah, it was originally created by this like dev Sounds team. Sounds communist. Yeah, right. Um, and it's a it's a hint. Outdated. I read that in a book too. Uh, yeah, the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or Das Kapital. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, there's a that's the main manifesto for it is who it started. It started with the dev team, but nowadays there's plenty of books on it. Um, one book that I've read 
that focuses on the main part of it is called user story mapping. Um, I can't remember the author, Jeff Sutherland, maybe, but, um, but yeah, it's called user story mapping and it's basically about how to truly do user stories and how to utilize them throughout the agile process. And the most important thing about user stories too, that can be applied to the small business is it creates conversations and that's the most important part of it because if you implement all these changes from your user stories, they've been planned out. They've been discussed thoroughly. And that's why we've incorporated more meetings here at SA since we've incorporated Agile where it's like instead of doing instead of doing an enhancement, like writing out the code and then releasing it and then people say, actually, we don't want that. And then we have to go rebuild it. We draw it on a board, on a whiteboard. We decide, we discuss, we all discuss. And then we're like, nah, that doesn't seem right. We erase it. It's much simpler to do that. It's much more cost effective. And so that's how it can benefit small businesses. Instead of them going and applying these changes in their businesses and then finding out that it's not worth it and they waste all this money, they can just discuss it, you know, making these changes to their business, whatever that may be. But it, that's that's how it is. It's planning in the beginning instead of the end. True confession here. Obviously, I had, uh, and I'm not playing. I'm not playing to the crowd here or anything like that. I honestly didn't know what Agile was before yeah. this meeting started. Before this before this podcast episode started, and it operates right under my nose here. So. <laughs> I think there's a lot of valuable lessons there to take very simply. And it, it ties into the book you were talking about with Mark Manson mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, the subtle art of not giving an F it ties into how to focus on the important things. Mm-hmm. And then the bigger things come back to you and everything. Um, what advice would you give Ty to our members, to our listeners, to all small business owners everywhere? If you had to, apply yeah something that we've talked about today it does it can be something as broad as the old agile process or or something very specific what what you know you don't own yeah. a business just to preface yeah. but yeah. what would you what would be your advice yeah i mean the thing is to um be able to adapt you know don't resist change just to resist change there are going to be a lot of things that are going to change if you were to ever you know to incorporate agile into your business and that's what I see a lot. Um, again, like you said, I don't own a business, but I read quite a bit about business. And the number one thing is that a lot of businesses, when they start out, they get comfortable. And it's not a bad thing to feel comfortable. You know, celebrate your wins. If you're being, you know, successful making a couple million a year, that's awesome. Celebrate that. But move to the next level. And that means you're going to have to change things. You're going to have to scale your company, right? And you're going to have to strip down things to focus on the truly important things. And that's that's what I think is don't don't get bogged down, you know, adapt to change. If it's for the best for your company, for your family, for everything, do it. It's kind of, there's a, my favorite book of all time kind of relates to this, that it's called, this is water by David Foster Wallace. And it was a commencement speech. And the point of it was to say that you're going to go through life doing your day to day, everything you're going to experience stress, pain, everything you're going to experience boredom, fatigue, frustration, all of this. But it's okay. That's a part of life. And you have to embrace that so that you can truly move on from it. And so if you incorporate all this agile stuff, you're going to experience a lot of growing pains. You're going to realize that a lot of things are inefficient and it's going to open up a lot of wounds that weren't fully healed to begin with. And so once you accept that and embrace that, it's going to bring on pain. You know, it it actually brings it up in the art of uh, the subtle art book. Um, What, how much pain are you comfortable with when it comes to improving yourself, improving your business? It's going to be hard. And so if they can, if they can set that mindset or if they can create that mindset for them that I'm going to suffer through X, Y, and Z, I'm going to suffer this pain through this change, but I accept it, then it's worth it. You know, it's the, you know, cliche, no pain, no gain type mentality. But if you truly embrace that, you're going to, 
you're going to be able to stick through it and be consistent with your changes. And that's what I say is don't fear change. You're going to experience pains, growing pains, but it's worth it at the end of the day. Every one of our listeners needs to seriously hit the save button right now <laughs> and put a bookmark in that. That was beautiful, man. That was absolutely <laughs> eloquent. That is something that all of our listeners, and I think, uh, I think I'll speak for Cody, you and I both need to take that with us, man. I think that's, that's an absolutely brilliant point from a guy who doesn't own a business and it might be an outside perspective, but that is something that you absolutely need to apply. Change is not a good, change is not an easy thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, in order to be successful in business and in life, change has to happen. Adaptation has to occur. And that was absolutely eloquent. Ty, thank you so much for joining us today. It was absolutely, uh, it was my pleasure to have you. you Uh, Cody was saying it wouldn't be his, but you know what? That's fine. It was absolutely a pleasure, Ty. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No, I appreciate it. Uh, We're definitely going to have you back on. And uh, we're really excited to talk about other processes and things that Maybe i don't know call it book club with ty <laughs> i'd be so down for that <laughs> more people reading the better uh, yes i agree education's a great thing well yeah hey to to close this out give another uh stephen king quote since that's what i'm full <laughs> of today you gotta you gotta get busy living or get busy dying yeah yeah that's true man yeah, I, I don't think, think Johnson, he said that do I? <laughs> I don't think he said that <laughs> no it's in uh i'm probably on writing no, it's in uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Read oh. it here in the Shawshank Redemption. I think it's how it ends. Uh, but if you've seen the movie, Morgan I Freeman's just, character. I love how he's backtracking on this. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely from that book. Um, anyway, we really, Ty, again, Ty Wilkins, everybody. Follow him on goodreads.com. Uh, give him a wonderful thank you while you're sitting there listening. Just clap for Ty because he's awesome. <laughs> And uh, as always, this is the Profit Roadmap. I'm Bear Duplessis. He's Cody Owen. And again, thank you to Ty Wilkins. (laughs) We'll see you next time. The music in this episode of the Profit Roadmap was Riptide and Summon the Rock by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you want to check out Kevin's music, it's some good stuff, Incompetech.com.